on don't burn bridges this is a problem i see so many people have because they they took a job let's say for 3 months 6 months to get experience and then they didn't build any relationships whilst they were working there and then they don't leave the right way then they apply for a new job people don't understand that when you're applying for a new job you need references yeah it's so important so your next employer is not going to hire you they might but chances are they're not going to hire you if you don't have references i have so many people that i've had to tell sorry i can't work with you because you don't have references and when we get to an office stage my client is going to request that i conduct two reference checks and since you don't talk to anybody from your previous company i can't help you so i'm sorry and it's sad because this person might be qualified for that job but they're actually a really nice person but because they didn't build relationships in that first job i don't have any way of helping them Welcome back to the Visible at Work podcast, the show that shares what to do after you get the job. Designed to help you navigate workplace issues and unlock executive opportunities through communication. I'm your host Tracy, and you're welcome today. As usual, I always bring you special guests, people who have personal experiences of moving countries and they're ex- excelling in what they're doing. And today, I have a wonderful guest with me. And I'll just give you a brief intro on her story and then she's going to elaborate and tell you how she was able to clinch a job a week after landing. So, you guys need to hear her story. She's a recruitment consultant and she's a career coach. Her name is Nicole Nyasha. She graduated from uh, with a bachelor's in marketing and a master's in business administration. And in her first job, she went from being a confused customer service representative to getting promoted to a trainer and then a manager in 2 years. She then changed career paths to recruitment and now currently works as a consultant for a search firm in Toronto. Nicole is also a career coach with Glit at Glitz and Grace and helps ambitious millennials discover their purpose and positions them as ideal candidates to land dream jobs. Interesting fact about her. I think I just mentioned that. Yes, she got a job one week after arriving in Toronto for a company without any job posting. So, stay tuned guys. You need to hear Nicole's story. Nicole, you're welcome today onto the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Tracy. I'm so excited to be here and to share my story. Mm, that's amazing. You have a wonderful story and um you know thank you for being so gracious enough to be vulnerable and just tell us how you're able to navigate you know moving from your country and coming to Canada and um just telling us like how you were able to just go over all the hurdles and land that great job that you have barely a week Nicole you need to tell us the secret <laughs> Yeah, but don't worry, I'm not going to put you on the spot right away. So, what made you make that jump, that decision to move to Toronto? So, I'm actually originally from Zimbabwe. And then for my undergraduate, I went to Malaysia. That's where I was studying. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I studied there for 3 years, completed my bachelor's, then I started working. 
so I lived in Malaysia for about I think it was nine or ten years. But the policy—it was a great country. It's a bla- good place to be. But their policies don't necessarily favor foreigners. So imagine I was there for almost ten years, but I didn't get any PR, no citizenship, nothing, right? And so it just came to a point in my life where I was like, okay, I'm getting older. Um, what is the next thing? I obviously cannot settle down here as much as I love it. Where else can I go? And I was looking at the options. If going back home was not an option, just because of the situation in Zimbabwe and everything going on there, so I started to look at the different options. Okay, there's Australia, America, Europe. Um, I'm, I've never been a fan of Europe, okay. and I've never been a fan, a fan of America as well, or even Australia. I just don't have that desire to go there. But there was just something about Canada. I don't know what it is or why. I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm going to try for Canada. So once I decided that I want to come to Canada, I then did my research to find out, okay, what are the different options available? So I engaged a lawyer and used the express entry route. That's the one that they look at your skills, your qualifications, your education, you get points. Yeah, and then from there you sort of qualify and you enter a pool and then you apply. Yeah, and that's how I came here. Interesting. So you already had like the background working in a different experience, different time zone from Zimbabwe. So coming from Malaysia, I, I think you already made that decision for yourself. You know, having that stability because that's also part of why a lot of um, people in different countries as well also have Canada as a choice because at least you get that even though the taxes are more (laughs) but you get that stability (laughs) to to say okay I'm going to start building here or whatever you know I I have um, built for myself I'm going to consolidate it here and uh, what was it like the first three months when you moved um, to Canada so because it was something that I had actually planned (laughs) and I did have two friends that were here and they told me what it was like I got my one friend to send me a breakdown of her monthly costs, expenses everything so I came really well prepared Mm. so in terms of the money aspect I made sure I had sufficient income to cover me for at least two months right so yeah the money part i was covered to a great extent and then um for jobs my main objective the first thing when i went when i came here was to get a job obviously so i did research before coming i was working in recruitment already when i was in malaysia and so i noted down okay what are the recruitment companies that are there in toronto where i'm going Mm. and i did try to apply before i came but it didn't work out a lot of people were just telling me oh you need to be here now that i'm now that i'm here and as a recruitment consultant i actually understand it it's one of those if somebody is not yet here you're taking a risk you don't even know if you're wasting your time talking to somebody who's just inquiring and maybe they're not even going to come right and so once i landed what i did was those companies that i had written down i went on linkedin looked at who are the decision makers so who are the presidents who are the ceos who are the head of these companies i connected with them 
and I messaged them. Mm. And the first, this was on a Friday, the first when I landed. And yeah. on Monday, I got a call. So the first person that responded to me is the first person I went to meet, and that's where I'm working now. So, wow, Nicole. <laughs> wow, okay. So let's backtrack to you have good friends because you were so detailed. You asked them for a breakdown, and your friend sent you the breakdown of her expenses and everything. Please, you need to hook me up with your friends, Nicole. <laughs> but on a serious note, you know, you said that you actually planned up for um, in terms of the monetary expenses and all of that. Now, speaking about job strategy that you have, I'm not going to say you're biased because you're in recruitment, but you said you emailed like the decision makers, the CEOs and all. Were you saying that you're just coming to Canada and you're looking for a job or what was it like reaching out to those guys? Exactly that. So when I came here, so I send the messages on LinkedIn. I'll just, I had a template. I don't know if I still have it, but it was something along the lines of, oh, hello, my name is Nicole. I just landed in Canada. I'm on PR. I was working in recruitment in Malaysia at XX company and I'm looking to start my looking to start or continue my career in Toronto I'd love to meet up or I don't remember if I said I'd love to meet up or I'd love to have a conversation and just see if I'd be a good fit for your team something along those lines oh, I wasn't asking for a job you know directly I was just saying I'd love to see if I can be a good fit for your team mm, mm, interesting. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't as easy as they're making it sound. Um, I was very scared. Imagine <laughs> like <laughs> imagine seeing somebody who you can see that okay, this person is a CEO, this person is a president, and then you send them a message. That's very nerve wracking. It's yeah. actually scary. It's not as easy as it sounds. You know, typing that message, clicking send, it's very scary. And even after the guy had the guy called me. Um, we spoke, I think we spoke on the phone for a good 30 minutes. He was just trying to qualify who I am. Then he brought me into the office. Um, I had an interview for about an hour. After oh. that, yeah, a couple of days later, he invited me back. Um, I had to meet with five different people. Okay. Yeah, so it was, it was definitely a challenge. And I was thinking, why do I have to meet with five different people? Like, so I met with the manager that I'm reporting to now. I met with another manager. I met with the vice president. I met with the president. And I met with the founder. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they were all asking me the same questions in different ways. And I mean, I don't really blame them because I was just new in the country. And they obviously had to do their part and really qualify and say, okay, is she really who she says she is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's another thing a lot of people don't understand that um, I, um, I was talking to someone that also just landed a few weeks ago and the person was like, oh, I've been getting calls for interviews. Um, I've gone for one, but I, um, I'm still waiting for them to call back. And I said, you know, the, the beautiful thing about Canada is for them to even call you in, that means like they feel, okay, I think I'm sure they saw your email and, and the CEO was like, hmm, one, this person sent me an email, you know, out of the blues. I think I want to meet, like, who is this bold person? I think I want to meet this kind of person. And then two, exactly. 
yes, you know, that makes it even makes it more intriguing. Like you said, you didn't, you never you didn't ask for a job. You just said you wanted to see if you're a great fit. And um, I think it's something that that comes very naturally to a lot of North Americans. They want to see, they don't want to, they, like there's this quote that says, if you chase, then they run. So when you're mm-hmm. doing so much chasing, if you're doing a hard sale, they just close up on you. They're not ready to talk to you. But you just exactly. making that conversation sound very light and easy. Like, oh, it's nothing really serious. I just came in, you know, I'm still looking around. So almost like you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Yeah. Exactly. So you exactly. have to meet so many people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's nice. That's interesting. So now comparing um working in Malaysia and, and luckily it's still the same within the same industry so recruitment recruitment so comparing working in Malaysia and working in um, Canada how would you say the differences are so it's so different oh my goodness <laughs> and that's something that they told me as well they were like well you know you're in Asia, this is America, it's very different because when I was speaking to them at that point, I was coming from the angle that, oh, I've done this before, it's the same thing. And they were like, no, it's not the same thing. And it's very different in terms of the work itself, first of all, the people are so different. In Malaysia, as a recruitment consultant, I will call somebody, even if the person is at work, they'll pick up their phone, they will make time to speak to me. Here, it's so difficult to get hold of people. Um, The culture is just different. It's next to me. I can be chatting and working at the same time. Here, when I first came, I was so shocked that people don't even have their phones on their desks. It's like people are like sneaking to use their phones. It's such like a work, 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 work type of culture. And... um, not as relaxed as it was in Malaysia. That's what I feel. And with the management styles as well, I feel like here people are more open. So I feel so comfortable here walking up even to the president of my company. I can just walk into his office and say anything respectfully, of course. But back in Malaysia, you sort of have to follow processes. You have to speak to your manager and then your manager has to speak to whosoever and whosoever but over here it's very open like my president can just see something that i've done wrong and he'll just get on the phone and call me immediately i can just send him an email and say anything so i think on this side of the world it's definitely more open um the management style is so much better mm-hmm. yeah. but people here are workaholics <laughs> people work and I think again it's just because especially in Toronto it's very expensive right so people are constantly working it's work 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 I personally like to work within my hours so I work 8 30 to 5 my brain shuts down like around 4 4 30 and so at 5 on the dot I just want to stand up and go home but you'll find that at 5 people are still so much in their work and you kind of sometimes feel awkward standing up and leaving, even mm. though you're done with work because it's such a work-driven culture. Yes, yes, you're, you're very right mentioning that because it's, it's very important to know um, the type of culture that you you find, you're going to find yourself in. Like down here where I am, yes. there are a lot of tech companies as well and they have like the 
fast-paced, um, work-hard, play-hard culture. So even if you're a workaholic, you also have to know how to play hard as well. So you're not just going to just be serious when it comes to work, and then when it comes to play, you pack your bags and leave. You also have to, you know, mingle with people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's good for one to know the kind of um, work culture that they live in. You you did a post recently. Uh, it was very interesting because seeing that you're in recruitment and um, you had very strong views about diversity and inclusion and how, you know, it has become a trending topic and, you know, everybody now, or there's, a, there's certain aspects of minorities in every organization. And, you know, what's your view on diversity and inclusion apart from just being lip service? in a lot of organizations? So, well, first of all, we have to acknowledge that it is just lip service. Um, for the most part, especially on this side of the world in North America, a lot of companies just use that diversity and inclusion for the sake of their numbers. Mm. And so it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. I know I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, and he's applying for a very high-profile um, position in a bank. And so I was telling him, you know what? Um, you're already at an advantage because of your skin color, right? <laughs> um, so you just need to do well in the interview, and your skin color will do the rest for you, which is true. So um, a lot of companies do want to start hiring you know, people from other ethnic groups because they need to look as if they are collaborative and they're inclusive, yeah. right? But the problem is that sometimes we feel like, oh, okay, that's not fair. Um, we're being used. My take on it is that take the opportunity. If you get that opportunity because you're different because of your skin color or because of your accent or whatever. Take the job and make sure once you get the, we actually made a really good decision. This person is an asset on our team. Okay. Those are my thoughts on it. So like, and a lot of times I think that with this diversity thing, people are just, ignorant and you have to educate them right sometimes yeah. you'll find that people will say things that are racially inappropriate in the office i know when i started working in our company i was the only black person yeah now they've hired more but when i started i was the only one and because we're in recruitment, right? So we speak to people from all over and I would look into the system where people would be speaking and they would say, oh no, this person has an African accent. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God. I'm African, <laughs> but, eh? Yeah, exactly. I was like, what does that mean? And I used to get so angry on the inside, but I realized that they don't even realize that they're doing that, you yeah. know? Even when I am there, they would even say it and they know that I'm African and they would say it. That's when I realized that, you know what? These people are just ignorant and they don't know it. It's only when I started highlighting it, I would say, if somebody said, oh, this person, has, this, your candidate has an African accent, I'd be like, what do you mean by an African accent? Yeah. And because if somebody's from the UK, you'll say, 
oh this person has an english accent or if they're indian you say they have an indian accent if they're from china you say they have a chinese accent if they're from australia you'll say they have an australian accent if they're from if they're spanish or whatever you say they have a spanish accent so why are you saying african accent why can't you break it down or categorize it based on the particular country or the region africa is so big somebody from southern africa or west africa or east africa they don't sound the same and i remember i actually had a full-blown argument with somebody and that person was telling me oh well it's the same thing it sounds the same to me and i was like no <laughs> it doesn't sound the same you know and it got in it became like a really heated argument until somebody else had to step in but from that point onwards i realized that everybody in my office has changed and people no longer use that term african accent mm. so i just think that it's so important not to take it so personally just realize that sometimes when people do things they don't know they don't realize it mm. educate them on it and you know it's just like if somebody is doing something it's a reflection on them as a person not on you so if you've done your part to educate them to try and help them to realize things from the other side and they keep on doing it then it's that person it's not you yes you're right because you said here you said don't let um don't let anyone's ignorance limit you or make you feel inferior instead of being angry turn it into motivation and passion and be and um, passion to be better and succeed even more so let that fuel like your passion to succeed at what you do like what you said that if maybe you're picked as a number in uh, an organization maybe oh we need one more black person or one more african person here um then show up and show out and succeed in that role to show that you know the company made the right decision hiring you um as the diversity slot for <laughs> oh, sure exactly yeah it makes so much sense because at the end of the day if you're just going to have the mindset that oh they're picking on me or oh this um they just want me because i'm black or i attended the interview and they were so racist they did this you're the one that's going to remain bitter on the inside and those people are moving on with their lives and they're progressing and the rest of us that are cap- capturing those opportunities are also progressing so instead of being bitter and i don't know joining activists who are always pro black pro this and i don't like that i realize that these days lately there's so many pages so many posts online that are all pro black women pro black this pro black that and i'm like i didn't leave my country to come all the way to canada to be pro black i want to you know mingle and fit in and mix with everybody else because if that's where the opportunities are then that's where i'm going to be you know so don't be that bitter person who's like oh i'm pro black i only do you know things with black people it doesn't take you anywhere you know you're the one who's bitter and the rest of the people are progressing so if there are opportunities and you're not taking them because you're being pro black then you're doing yourself a disservice mm. i actually recently turned down an opportunity um It was with this group of ladies um black ladies and they wanted to start a 
they were starting a project where they're doing training programs and they're starting sort of like a podcast but training and it's only for black women by black women and i went for the first meeting because i wanted to understand what exactly it was and when i realized that they're actually coming from a standpoint where they're bitter and they're saying that oh white people exclude us from their things so we're going to exclude them i was just like i'm not going to be a part of this because being better really does nothing for you mm, yeah yeah it's true and sometimes you know like you said you might not even, they may not even know um you have to like you said you have to educate educate whenever you come mm-hmm. across such people is an opportunity for also you for you as well to educate you know those kind of people if not mainly just talking but even by your actions when they see that you you have a spirit of excellence whatever you do you're very good at it you're excellent at what you do so now it's not about um, it's not a um, an issue of color or an issue of oh she's black or he's white but you can see that this person is good at their job or they're good at what they do and they're excellent at what they do and they cannot deny that fact so um, that is really true but i also understand you know the place of where people have groups where they want to support um, underrepresented groups um but at the same time um it shouldn't come from the place of bitterness or or being hurtful it should come from the place of because these people maybe they do not have access to resources i'm going to create this group to give people access to more resources not necessarily oh because, you know i just want to exclude people just for the sake of exclusion you get what i mean exactly i agree with that it's always about what is the objective or what's the driving force if it's coming from a place of bitterness and oh we don't like white people like the group i had <laughs> like the, the meeting i attended i left i felt so uncomfortable <laughs> it was just like i could see like the hate and and at the same time i don't necessarily blame them because these were older women i'm talking like women that are probably in their late 40s 50s who are native canadian and they're black so exactly so they really saw the struggle they were oppressed and whatsoever and they're struggling to let it go but i was just like you know what i didn't go through that struggle and so i'm not going to sort of be better take part in somebody else's bitterness when i didn't necessarily experience what they experienced but at the same time i'm just thinking these women have so much potential if they were to open up their platform to anybody and everybody they would go so far uh, i wish them well so <laughs> but, you, but at the same time you you've also mentioned how you still do not deny that fact where you see that look on where people have that stare or have that look and you know it's easy to get into that unconscious bias because everybody wants to be friendly with people that look like them and sometimes when someone doesn't even look like you you give a different kind of stare and a lot of people do it unconsciously even without knowing so you you mentioned that you've experienced something like that terms of how people look or give you that stare or just have certain expectations of of you because like you're black or someone someone sees you and they say 
like someone met me and I was like, oh, do you know, mention the name, do you know this person, uh, my friend in um, in South Africa? I'm like, I'm not South African. Like, Africa is so big, <laughs> how am I supposed to know your friend? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's always hilarious. So, you know, what yeah. advice would you um, give as a renown from your professional perspective? What advice would you give on anybody trying to settle in into a new country as a recruiter right so just to go back a bit on that part of people not liking you that's going to be part and parcel of being an immigrant if you go to a new country people are never going to understand on this side of the world i feel like it's a bit better when i was in malaysia people would think africa is a country you know people didn't understand i would say you know i'd get into a taxi and or maybe even an uber and the person would ask me where are you from i'd say zimbabwe and the person would say nigeria and i'm thinking <laughs> i'm like what are you saying and that was because when it comes to like the black um population in malaysia the majority of them were nigerian yeah my right? school in malaysia so <laughs> yes so like a lot of them would know okay nigeria but they don't necessarily know everybody else but then zimbabwe and the person would say nigeria and i'm like no zimbabwe and so that's something that i've constantly have to deal with even coming here now um people are still like ignorant or people sometimes just don't like you i know sometimes at work people purposely don't include me in conversations or they'll plan like nights out or drinks after work and they don't include me and i try to befriend those people and they still don't like me so i've just accepted that okay so and so and so don't like me if we're working we're working and i don't overstep those boundaries but at the same time you know in the workplace people that i get along with and people that i hang out with and so my advice as a recruiter would be to build relationships with people i know a lot of people come and they'll just get a job and say okay it's just my first job in canada i just want to get the experience and then i move on don't burn bridges this is a problem i see so many people have because they they took a job let's say for 3 months 6 months to get experience and then they didn't build any relationships whilst they were working there and then they don't leave the right way then they apply for a new job people don't understand that when you're applying for a new job you need references yeah so important so your next employer is not going to hire you they might but chances are they're not going to hire you if you don't have references i have so many people that i've had to tell sorry i can't work with you because you don't have references and when we get to an office stage my client is going to request that i conduct two reference checks and since you don't talk to anybody from your previous company i can't help you so i'm sorry and it's sad because this person might be qualified for that job but they're actually a really nice person but because they didn't build relationships in that first job i don't have any way of helping them So it's so so important that as much as it's just a first experience build relationships keep in contact with people and you never know what comes up in the future you might work with those same people again there might be opportunities that arise from it 
and keep an open mind. This is the most important thing I can say. If you were a doctor, a lawyer, a managing director in your company, back in your country, you can't come to Canada and expect to become a managing director. You're competing with people that have studied in Canada, that have worked in Canada, and that have more Canadian experience than you. And yes, you will eventually get there, but sometimes you just have to take away that pride and be willing to start from somewhere. Because that time, or those two, three months, six months that you're just sitting, waiting for that managing director position, which to be honest, might never come, you could have been working, doing something else, getting some experience and making money instead of depleting your savings. That's a good advice, definitely. So you have an open mind, come to terms that not everybody would like you and try to build relationships. So at least with the ones that like you, so build those relationships, (laughs) yeah, because you never know when you will need those relationships, yeah. So would you say that, um, speaking about relationships, would you say that people supply the names of um, the people that they had worked with before, like their references when they're applying for the job or after they get called? So, well, it works in two different ways. If you're going to be working with a recruitment agency, they're going to ask you for your two references, the names, the contact numbers upfront. They might not necessarily contact them immediately, but they just want to be sure that before they invest in you and spend time working with you, coaching you, sending you to interviews, that you actually have the references. So these are just going to be updated in their system under your file. Once you get a job offer, then they will contact these references. And it also saves time. Instead of us waiting until you get an offer, then we ask you for your references. Then you go and start asking the people. It just takes a lot of time, right? But if you do the background work, homework before, provide the references, the moment we have an offer, we're contacting the references immediately and can start working. Sure. And the up like um, the process is pretty much fast here. Like once the like once people decide or the company decides that they're ready to go, that kind of day, it's almost within maybe a few days to a week, and everything is so. It's always best to stay prepared uh, and be ready for the opportunity. Sometimes we pray and we hope for a lot of these opportunities, and but we're not ready. We haven't done our own part, and then when those opportunities come, we just miss exactly. <laughs> exactly you're so so right just be prepared and talking of being prepared another important thing is your credit so when i came uh, um a couple of months ago i quickly realized how important credit was so when i came initially i was staying with one of my friends and god bless her soul elizabeth i stayed with her for the first two months i didn't pay rent she refused for me to pay her anything so I lived with her for free for two months. Yeah, when I it came, have good friends. <laughs> <laughs> so when it came for me to get my own um, place to live, the first place I applied for, they actually turned me down. They rejected my application because yeah. I didn't have credit. Yeah. And so I applied again a different place and that's where I finally got it. But I had to, I did have credit as well. I had to explain to the guy that I'm new in the country. I actually had money. I had like 
a five-figure balance in my account but the first place actually turned me down because i had no credit yeah so it took my manager yeah my manager at work had to call this second place and tell them that i'm working there and i'm making x amount of money and i'll be able to afford the rent (laughs) then only they agreed (laughs) to give me the place but how it relates to jobs is for certain companies especially now companies that are increasingly starting to do full background checks where in addition to your references they want to verify your education they want to check your credit they want to check your criminal and so it's so important that the moment you come you start building your credit so get a credit card of course you want to be mature and disciplined um, use it within normal and reasonable limits and pay it off accordingly. Just use it as much as you can so that you can build your credit. Yeah. Speaking of credit, we actually have a um, we have a guest, another episode coming on where someone is even going to talk about her credit and how she was able to build her credit and now like she travels for next to nothing. So it's a very good um, valid point that you mentioned because a lot of people don't know how to it's a system so you just have to know how to work that system to your advantage while you're still building your network in a new environment in a new country you're right nicole for and, sure yeah mm-hmm. so speaking about your projects what are you working on now where can we find you so i'm because i'm a career um recruitment consultant i've been working in recruitment for two years now i had a blog this is just like some a background story i had a blog about three four years ago and i actually started this blog to track my i went through a phase where i did my big chop i was transitioning to natural hair i stopped using toxic products i was just using like organic products stopped using lotions, applying coconut oil on my skin. So I was just tracking all those things. And then sometime last year when I was working in recruitment, I realized I actually enjoy this and educating people. So I transitioned my blog to a career blog where I started sharing career advice, tips for interviews, your resume, how to conduct yourself in the workplace, um, the fashion tips, how to dress for work, looking professional, polished, and all of that. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And then um, this year, I realized with that, people started asking me so many questions. People would come to me for advice, for help. Oh, can you help me do this? Can you help me do that? Can you help me do this? And then I came to Toronto and I realized that it's a very expensive city. (laughs) (laughs) And I have one of my um, sister friends and she was like, you know what, Nicole, you should actually start charging people for these consultations that you do for free. Because literally I would call people and I would spend an hour with somebody on the phone helping them out for free and my solutions would work for them. They would do well in their interviews and I wouldn't get anything for it. And I never thought of turning it into a business until I met this friend of mine. And so somewhere along the lines, I decided to start my coaching business. So now I actually help people discover their purpose because I realized that a lot of people are just working because that's the first job they found after school and they continued on that path or they studied something in school and so they think that they need to work in that particular field for example if you studied accounting 
marketing, you think you have to be an accountant or you think you have to be an accounts clerk, but it's not necessarily so. It's so important because we spend a lot of our time at work that you really discover what makes you happy, what makes you tick and you do that. And I figured out, I realized myself that it's really difficult. It's not easy to realize what you enjoy doing and work in that field. And so I came up with a program. So I basically have a seven week program where I walk you through discovering what it is you were created to do, what you enjoy doing. And once we've come up with your career vision, we think of a roadmap. How do we get you from the current point you are to where you want to be? And then we come up with an action plan for that. I help you with your career documents, your interviewing skills, your personal branding, because everybody is a brand, even without saying anything. And over seven weeks, I basically take you from where you are to where you want to be. And so the name of my website is Glitz X Grace. So G-L-I-T-S-X-G-R-A-C-E.com. You can also find me on Instagram, the same username, GlitzXGrace. On Instagram, I actually share career tips every single day. I'm sure you've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, speaking about transition, you have experienced that transition yourself. So, and you're in recruitment as well. So, I'm sure you'll be in the right position to be able to offer um, real advice that people need, especially in times where there's so many shiny balls, everybody's doing this, and then it, before you know it, everybody runs into that direction. Next thing you know, um, a different career is being vogue now, and everybody else runs into that direction. But once you have a sense of purpose on what you love doing, what you should be doing, what brings you joy, and you can still find fulfillment in it, then it becomes easier to focus. Because a, a lot of people say, focus, 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 but there's there must be an underlying factor to get you to what you're focusing on yes exactly yeah for sure my first job i was a customer service representative that was my very first job and oh my goodness i hated that job (laughs) i hated that season in my life and it's unfortunate because when i was in malaysia at that time the options were limited it was difficult to get a job as a foreigner it's not as it is here in north america so i just had to suck it up if i was going to be stuck in that company i made a commitment commitment to myself that was going to be the best i could be and i eventually became a team manager but i was still unhappy in that job and that's when i managed to make the transition to recruitment so you know if somebody is struggling to figure out what it is they want to do i'm definitely in a position to help them out that's great thank you so much nicole for sharing your story for giving us you know very quick dirty tips to use for um just having this great conversation with us it was really really great talking to you and um guys you heard it so just get into work and start applying the most important thing is when you hear anything here please apply 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 so you can get the results that you desire remember communication is your superpower to remain visible at work i'll see you next week